wrap things up with our good friend Sam Gordon also at the fight on Saturday night, T-Mobile Arena, writing from his perspective, his fine column there with the Las Vegas Review Journal. And I love Sam's take because before the fight, Sam and I were talking like, all right, who you like? And Sam goes, Terrence Crawford, late stoppage. I go, Sam, we're on the same side. And Sam, it came out that way. We didn't need a crystal ball. We've seen Terrence Crawford for about the last seven, eight years. And what a performance he put on last night. I want to know what Sam Gordon thought. Uh, first and foremost, TC, happy Monday. Hey, I appreciate you having me. Um, always a pleasure to come on the show. Uh, I thought it was the was the single greatest performance I've ever seen live um, in person, uh, certainly in a fight of that magnitude uh, with just everything that was on the line. And I think you could make the case, TC, that it's as great of any individual performance uh, in the history of championship prize fighting. If you talk about any single performance, when you're talking about two undefeated fighters, all four belts, the most glamorous division, a rivalry that's been brewing. I mean, everything about Errol Spence Jr. and Terrence Crawford's respective career paths has been building uh, to Saturday night. I mean, that's, that's, that's been the story arc, the timeline, the last five years. We, we knew it was at stake. We knew how long this took. And to see... Terrence Crawford, I mean, I thought, I always thought, T.C., he was a, a level above um, Errol Spence Jr. I thought, I mean, for, for all the obvious reasons that were uh, on display, I didn't think he was two or three levels above that like he was on, on Saturday night. I definitely, uh, I think that was an absolute masterclass. That was Kobe Bryant scoring 81 points. That's Wilt Chamberlain putting up 100. Uh, that's Peyton Manning throwing seven touchdowns. Anyway, you want to chalk it up, however you want to, whatever metaphor you want, this was, I mean, this was Beethoven's, Fifth Symphony. This was Mozart. Uh, it was an, the total, utter dominant display of the sweet science uh, against another, again, top five pound-for-pound pound fighter. A, a guy that had chopped down the welterweight champions one by one, uh, that had punished everybody he had been in there in the ring with, and did not see Bud Crawford punishing him quite like that from the word go. That's what it is. He solved them within the first five minutes of the fight. He figured everything out he needed to. And I think even a, a crowd that was, I would say, around 50-50 Crawford Spence fans, uh, even the Spence fans, I think, at a certain point, uh, anybody that had a rooting interest uh, that it wasn't going their way, there was just a general sense of amazement and appreciation and, I think, stun, stunningness. You know, there was something stunning uh, about it, uh, just the, the lack of uh, just anything coming from Errol Spence Jr. So uh, all credit to him for getting in the ring, for making it happen. Errol Spence Jr. finally making it happen. Obviously, all credit to to Terrence Crawford as well and the proper parties, Al Heyman, PBC, Showtime, uh, Terrence, Terrence Crawford's promotional company. Everybody made it made it happen, and Terrence Crawford absolutely seized the stage and, in my opinion, um, seized a spot uh, pretty clearly as one of the great pound-for-pound fighters in, in the history of professional boxing. I think this does it, what he was able to put forth, and really contextualizes his greatness in a very unique way against, again, another very, a great fighter, one of the top pound-for-pound fighters uh, of his era, Errol Spence Jr. Those that watch Terrence Crawford know that what he's capable of. We got a chance to see a lot of him over the years uh, here in Vegas, obviously fighting for Bob Arum in top rank, and then he went to become a free agent. Bob Arum tried to make this fight years ago. Crawford wanted the fight. It ultimately led to Crawford leading Aram because Aram Aram could not get Al Heyman to sign on with this, Sam. This fight should have taken place four years ago. Terrence Crawford knew he could beat Earl Spence. Earl Spence thought he could beat Terrence Crawford. But in my opinion, this fight never happened because Al Heyman knew that his guy, Earl Spence, 
could not beat Terrence Crawford. He was trying to keep him under that PBC umbrella with all of those welterweights, with Sean Porter and Keith Thurman, and and you know Manny Pacquiao eventually left it to go sign, you know, sign under PBC, and so they could fight all of his own guys. And Bob Arum made the quote a while back, saying, "Hey, what he Heyman's doing is a scam. He's not you know wanting to fight the best guy, uh, the best fighters for his guys. He wants to control his own umbrella, and that's exactly what transpired. And I believe." Sam, that that is why it took so long for this fight to be made. And then, uh, I don't know if it, you know, the same result would have taken place four years ago, three years ago, you know, last year or whatever it is. But I firmly believe that is the reason why it took this fight so long because Heyman did not believe his guy could beat Terrence Crawford. Well, I'll tell you what, TC, if the fight would have taken place, I mean, we, we know Errol Spence Jr. has been through a lot outside of the boxing ring. Uh, in the last few years. And I'll tell you what, like you said, we don't know what the result would have been had this fight happened four years ago. Well, we do. It, w- it would have been, it w- I-, I believe, I think Crawford would have won at any yes. point in time. We'll never know. It's all yeah. kind of a supposition at this point. But based on the display that we saw Saturday, uh, there's no reason to think at any point Errol Spence would have beaten Terrence Crawford. That being said, I think it would, he would certainly would have had a better shot before he went through a, you know, devastating car accident, before, uh, the eye injury he sustained before the, the, his his super fight with Manny Pacquiao was supposed to happen here uh, in August of 2021, and then another another um, car accident last December uh, or, or January, whatever it was around last you know last winter, not as major as the one he had endured after beating Sean Porter in 2019, but still car accident you know car person human being in car accident car accidents never a a good thing for a fighter, and, and on top of that you know all because of all three of those things you have you know the inactivity as well, so. Terrence Crawford, again, like you mentioned, TC, the, the skill set was on total display. The, the, he didn't even have to. He fought the entire fight in a southpaw stance, which uh, clearly the, the perfect game plan because Errol Spence Jr. used to fighting you know, pretty much mostly orthodox um, fighters for the most part, and, and he didn't have to pivot. He didn't have to adjust. He's boxing's best adjuster, right, the best adjuster because of his uh, versatile style, being able to fight from both stances, being able to box, being able to bang inside. Uh, countering everything, right? He can do everything. We've seen that for years, and uh, he didn't need to. He, he didn't need to do everything. He picked up on Errol Spence Jr.'s rhythm, uh, his ability to time shots from different angles from, from w- without, without having to load up just the short shots that he's able to connect with, the way his jab w- was firing. Uh, there are, I mean, it was he promised a career-defining performance. You sense in the promotion uh, the focus that he had, he, he wasn't there to, 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 for any of the games or anything. He wasn't there for any of the jokes. He, he was a man on a mission wanting to send a message, right, that this fight should have happened four years ago. And, and I think in his post-fight interview and even in the press conference as well, you kind of heard you know, some vague references to how long it took this fight to get done and, and kind of the, the, the way um, that, that Crawford you know, felt like he was perceived the last few years as somebody who didn't want this fight, as somebody who was ducking this fight. No, he always wanted this fight. Like you said, he always knew he could win this fight. And when the opportunity came to send a message, not just to, to, to Errol Spence Jr., but to boxing at, as a whole at large, uh, he rose to the occasion. And again, TC put forth one of the most dominant one-way traffic performances in the history of championship boxing at this, at this level. I can't think of the last time a, a top five, you know, level pound-for-pound fighter in Errol Spence Jr. with the resume that he's had. Uh, you know, think back kind of historically. When's the last time an elite pound for pound fighter was 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 beaten like that? I mean, it's it's been a long, long time. It's a kind of a once in a generation performance from a once in a generation fighter, and uh, he showed up on the biggest stage in sports and, and showed everybody who he's been. Not just now, but who he's been 
for several years, uh, and he certainly rose to the occasion and prepared to put on a performance like he did Saturday. I uh, totally agree. Some strong words uh, from Sam Gordon, uh, you know, but historical in the fashion where you know, Crawford won this fight, dominated this fight. You can make the argument that he did not lose a round. And, you know, two, two of the three judges scored the first round for Spence, but another judge gave for Crawford. And then from that second round on with the knockdown, uh, subsequently saw, you know, two more knockdowns and then the stoppage in the ninth. But, uh, agree with everything you're saying, uh, with that, uh, Sam. Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal covers, uh, everything, uh, all sports here, but a fantastic job, uh, with the boxing side as we always talk about here and, and go to his coverage there at the Las Vegas Review Journal.com and, and read what he wrote to which, uh, you know, appeared in the, this morning's paper and, and yesterday's as well, too. Uh, let's keep it here in Vegas and talk about, you know, championship weekend here, what we saw with yeah. Crawford, and then you spin over to what we saw yesterday at the Michelob Ultra Arena and what we're seeing here with the Aces now at 23-2, and two, winners of seven in a row. And I don't know, uh, you know, even though Dallas came back and made a little bit of a game, still the Aces put the pedal to the metal, firm control like they are in just about every game here, Sam. And uh, it just seems like the, this team is continuing to get better and better, and there is no stopping this team. Yeah, I mean, we, we just saw one of the greatest, I mean, fighters of all time, TC, and, and then you go to right over to Michelob Ultra Arena down the street, and you see what I believe we're in the midst of seeing it. Look, there's still boxes that need to be checked. The Aces have to finish the job. We both know that. They know that. Everybody knows that. But what we've seen in the regular season so far, this is the greatest team in WNBA history. This is the greatest team, Doesn't with, with or without Candace Parker, depth, whatever, what have you. Doesn't matter. Uh, the, the core four, as, as they call it now, Kelsey Plum, uh, Jackie Young, Kelsey Gray, and obviously Asia Wilson with, with excellent, excellent specialists, um, players that know their role in Kia Stokes and uh, Alicia Clark, veterans of the highest order. And then with Becky Hammond on the sideline, I mean, that six in and of itself, Candace Parker, for all her greatness is, is a luxury. And so that the Aces can afford to take their time. Um, with, with her injury and whatnot, knowing that there's much bigger games ahead, but uh, when, when they're absolute, when they're at their absolute best, TC like they were in the first half. I mean, again, you talk about an absolute masterclass. The ball pings all over the floor. Everybody out on the court, or four of the five players, pretty much at all times for the Aces can shoot, dribble, and pass. Uh, the, the the ball movement, the player movement, the chemistry, the championship DNA, the uh, kind of just when they decide to, to clamp down. I, I know it's not this simple and. You know, probably gives Becky Hammond fits to a certain degree, but when they choose to be the best defensive team in the league, like they did the last, I don't know, six minutes yesterday, they absolutely are um, with the defensive player of the year, who I believe that should be the two-time defensive player of the year, three-time MVP, Asia Wilson uh, in the middle, kind of leading the way, excellent perimeter defenders, scheming, Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum, uh, Jackie Young, all in the peak of their respective powers. So uh, they Again, wasn't a great performance by them by any means, but they played a great first half, a terrible third quarter, and when they had to go, when they had to step on it, uh, when that lead got cut down to three uh, halfway through the fourth quarter, they did, and they've been doing what they've done to pretty much every team all year, which is showcase historically great firepower, uh, defend when they absolutely have to, uh, and play a beautiful brand of basketball that now brings a sellout crowd to Michelob Ultra Arena pretty much every time they're in town. So. Uh, it was an excellent, once again, an excellent display. 23 and 2. You take a look at the advanced metrics, the statistics. They should sweep the awards. All WNBA first team MVP, defensive, uh, player of the year, all WNBA second team coach of the year, so on and so forth. Uh, this team deserves to be rewarded like that for what they're accomplishing. And I would be stunned if it didn't end in another championship, regardless of what teams around the league are doing. 
All right, so we talk about the fight, uh, just spectacular performance by Crawford. We talk about the Aces, spectacular performance, not only yesterday with the 104-91 victory, but what they've done all season, what they hope to to finish the deal and go back-to-back. And then we know that you're on the, you know, covering the Raiders as well, too. Not necessarily in the same vein of the other, the first two that we've talked about here, Sam. But, hey, everybody's undefeated right now, right, in preseason. All right, we haven't had a preseason game yet. you got training camp. I want some thoughts from you. Uh, specifically on Jimmy Garoppolo and because Garoppolo didn't come to practice, uh, it was yesterday. And so the bulk of the snaps from the quarterback position, you know, were taken by Brian Hoyer and, uh, you know, Aiden, uh, O'Connell, the rookie out of Purdue here. And what a, a drop off, uh, just in the pace and everything else there. And, uh, again, we don't know if Garoppolo is going to be healthy. Heck, even if he is healthy, we're not sure how good a quarterback that he can be. And there are many around that are saying, Hey, there's going to be maybe a drop off from Derek Carr to Garoppolo, you know, and, um, you know, we're hearing that now. But, you know, what Garoppolo's done with his time with New England and specifically San Francisco, okay, you know, this is this maybe could be an upgrade at the quarterback position. I'm curious what you think is going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo with the quarterback of the Raiders. Yeah, in terms of just training camp, I think there's, you know, you're, you're going to want to kind of ease him through things as the foot, you know, just to, there's no there's no reason to go full speed. Um, right off the bat, especially given his familiarity with Josh McDaniels. It's imperative that he stays healthy the entire season. We know that's based on his history, you know, statistically games played and whatnot, that it's probably, you know, that's unlikely that that's going to happen, but it's happened before and there's a bigger picture in play. And, and that's, that's, you know, he's of the utmost importance with that. I think what Jimmy Garoppolo does when you take a look back historically, just the kind of things you read, um, from a, you know, about who he is off the field and whatnot, there's a, you're wanting to build a culture. The Raiders are in the process of, of, of turning over the team. You can clearly see based on the kind of the draft and the offseason that they had that regardless of, of how last season went or whatnot, that Mark Davis is being pretty patient uh, with Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler as they retool the roster. It's, it's, you still, you want to get premium draft capital. You want to, you want to, you know, maximize your chances to get your future for your franchise quarterback down the road. And there's a couple, you know, great franchise quarterbacks potentially in this next draft class and whatnot. But at the same time, you're also ingratiating yourself to a, a still a new market where, you know, the ticket sales oftentimes favor the other team and, and the, the attendance often favors opposing teams. There hasn't been any winning and, and you want to rebuild tactically. So I think that's where Jimmy Garoppolo comes into play. His leadership, uh, the way he's able to galvanize the locker room and, 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 and everything you read about him is he's able to really connect with guys as a teammate and whatnot. And regardless of how the season goes, I don't expect the Raiders to be very good by any means because of just where they're at defensively. Uh, but but regardless of how the season goes, from an intangible perspective, I think he's the kind of guy that's been in all different situations throughout the course of his career. So tremendous professionalism, backup, you know, starter, backup, going to trade him, cut him, bring him back, starter, injured, the whole thing with San Francisco. Uh, that's the kind of guy you I think you kind of want in the locker room, helping alongside some of the other leaders, Devontae Adams, Max Crosby, and whatnot, shepherd things th- this season. In terms of what to expect from him as a player, we know he's not great at the deep ball. Um, I wasn't out there today, but there was, of course, tweets from my colleagues uh, in the media that said he struggled today at training camp uh, and some third down packages and whatnot, and it wasn't necessarily great from him, but he kind of historically and throughout the course of training camp so far is accurate in the short and intermediate distances, and the Raiders have playmakers in those distances. So, you know, you know depending on what happens with Josh Jacobs, expect him to be back with Devontae Adams, with Hunter Renfro, with Jacoby Miters now sliding over in a different role, not being the number one guy, getting to play more of a complementary role 
Uh, and with an offensive line that's intact and has some chemistry, which was obviously a rarity with this franchise, the offense, I think, should be pretty good and, and be able to keep the Raiders afloat in games where they're not totally overmatched you know, by an opposing offense. Uh, that being said, it's all contingent upon his health, and if he gets hurt, this entire thing can go sideways. So uh, I don't have you know, ridiculously high expectations for how they're going to fare this year, but, but in terms of Jimmy Garoppolo, um, from a talent perspective, probably a lateral move from Derek Carr, but it, it was just time for, I think, a change in leadership within the Raiders' locker room, and, and he's a guy I think that can be a bridge or a steward uh, from, from that era into the next one, provided that Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler are able to, to identify the right players and, and, and get this turnaround really going. Sam, appreciate the time as always, man. Great job. Continue to uh, watch Sam or read Sam at uh, at the RJ and a great follow on Twitter as well to it by Sam Gordon. Brother, appreciate you, man. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll see you tomorrow night uh, out at the house for the Aces in the Dream. I appreciate you having me, TC. As always, uh, happy Monday and have a great rest of your day. Talk soon. Thank you, brother. There he is, Sam Gordon, one of the best.